are we ready? Yup. <laughs> All right. Won't be any more ready. That is. You're listening. Don't make me change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> fight or flight. Fight or flight. It's gonna be fine. Okay. It's gonna be fine. Right. We got your back, Jack. You You're psyching yourself up. Times. Stop hitting yourself, Bray. <laughs> okay, we're gonna go now. Listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Aaron. I'm Bree. And I'm Rachel. We're gonna get pretty serious today, ladies. This is a serious episode. <laughs> we have made a decision to talk about politics today. I'm gonna barf. But it's gonna be okay. And we're gonna hold your hand through this. I'm talking to both you, Bree, and the rest of our ladies. Because I'm feeling a little anxious right now, too. Uh-huh. But this is, this is why we're doing this. We are talking about politics today because we all need a little catharsis in our life right now. And full disclosure, we are recording this before the election happens. By the time this airs, we may still not know the election results, which is part of the reason we're doing this. And also, we want this to be a very honest and open conversation. And we're all going to talk about some things that we're feeling right now, and that's fine. This is a Bree's big question episode. So Bree, what is, <laughs> might be obvious at this point, what is the big <laughs> question that we are answering or at least attempting to come up with some answers for today? So my the big question I have for myself is how do I talk about the election without barfing everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> I think we all feel that right now. <laughs> no, so the big question for real is how do I survive election season as a Lutheran woman? So, like Sarah said, just to give you some background, we are recording this episode well in advance of the 2020 presidential election. I think we kind of all went back and forth on, okay, do we do a political episode this year? Do we not do a political episode this year? I think there was a lot of back and forth Mm -hmm. um, because of things like COVID and racial inequality and protests and how does that How do we as the church engage with that? And so based on some of the responses that we saw, you know, synod-wide, really, we didn't really think we were going to touch this topic with a 30-foot pole. (laughs) Maybe 2024, when everything sort of died down, um, unless the apocalypse happens. But I volunteered as tribute in a recent (laughs) planning meeting. And here we are. So buckle up, because I might get a little ranty. We're going to hold you back, Bray. Hold me back. I'm so proud of you guys for wanting to tackle this. I was one of the dissenting voices that said, are you sure? Why can't we just not talk about this at all? Because whenever you talk about politics these days, people yell at you. And I hate being yelled at. So mm-hmm. those listening out there, please don't yell at us. Yep. Well, I, and I think that's part of that's part of why we need to do this, though, I think. And that that was, I think, my opinion on that is that it is so hard for us to talk about these things. And I think it is beneficial for us as Lutheran women who probably don't see eye to eye on a lot of political mm-hmm. topics, and that's okay. Even the four of us don't see eye to eye on every on everything, and that's okay. To have some 
encouragement Mm -hmm. um, and some community about the fact that we are Lutherans who live in a secular society. And this is something that we all have to deal with. So here's our chance to have that community and to have that encouragement and to kind of just get some stuff off of our chests because we're not alone in this at all. We have each other to rely on. And and part of this for me is is a little self-serving because... Don't tell me how to vote, Bree. This is kind of this is kind of a Carson's moment for me, and I don't think it matters who you plan to vote for, whether you voted already, whether you plan to vote in person, whether you're second guessing your vote. Um, (laughs) Oh, Rachel! This pertains to everybody. This pertains to everybody. I am, I am weary. I am sad over the state of affairs right now, all over the world, even like internally. And this this happens every election season for me is mm-hmm. my convictions as a Christian and as an American are being tested because, as we will talk about later, political parties don't necessarily fully have a consistent ethic with Christianity, which we'll touch mm-hmm. on that later. But regardless of that, regardless of who you're voting for um, or have already voted for, I don't think I'm alone in this. And my hope for today is to sort of draw us closer together if not for that reason regardless of our political leanings just as an added disclaimer i am a work in progress if you listen to this podcast today these are thoughts and feelings that i'm sharing sort of in this moment right now i have been sort of all over the political map my entire life whether or not i was voting or was of age to vote and so i'm okay with that I'm open to hearing people out. I'm open to being challenged. And personally, it is my it is my goal to be a little more resilient and not feel like I have to talk people down or like prove that I'm right. So I guess if nothing else, take this with a grain of salt. I hope to not be too like despairing or anything like that or like super, I don't know convicting of people that i don't necessarily agree with hopefully i can go this entire thing without <laughs> revealing who i'm voting for don't do it Bree. i'm not i'm gonna try not to do it okay well and i think it shows a lot of maturity too and i mean as as we all age your views probably will change and that's okay because mm-hmm. the things that that you realize when you're an 18 year old and you can vote finally you're like i have power uh, right. it's it's gonna be a lot different in sure. you know 10 well, 20 30 years and it's not like the things that you vote for when you're 18 are wrong. You're supposed we are supposed right. to vote our convictions and we're supposed right. to vote with the knowledge and understanding we have and that's that's fine and good and as you grow your priorities and things things change and that yeah. it doesn't mean that if you how you voted previously is necessarily like that was somehow bad or wrong right. if you've changed in that you've just You've just changed and that's okay. Well, and society changes too. Laws change. I mean, so much of of everything has changed in the last, what, 10 or 15 years that it may not make sense to vote the same way now as you did 10 years ago because just everything, things are different. Things change. (laughs) May I I just say, Brie, I'm really, I, I like the approach that you're taking where you don't necessarily reveal the exact platforms and candidates that you're voting for, because one of our rights as Americans that I find particularly wonderful and important in times like this is the right to a secret ballot. Mm-hmm. Right. No one has 
No one gets to see who you vote for. No one gets to know unless you tell them. And it can be a wonderful thing to remember that in a time where everyone acts like they have a right to know. And then not only to know, but to bully you and second guess and try to sway your position. And if you're feeling like I, I don't even tell, you know, my husband necessarily who's on my ballot. We talk about everything, but you know, and he doesn't, he doesn't expect that, that a a private ballot is an important part of democracy and yay for all of us, I think, for remembering that. Absolutely. Amen to that. And I think, Sarah, to your point, too, of like things changing, you know, seasons changing, society changing. I don't think I am wrong. I mean, I've I've been able to vote a handful of times given my age. But even then, like for me, sitting through this 2020 election cycle, I'm pretty sure we're living through one of the most contentious elections in the history of modern politics maybe ever honestly you know obviously i don't i don't know the span of of how things have been but it's it has certainly been the most contentious in my time i mean who who would have thought that we would have to institute something like a mute button at a debate which is what ended up happening for the second round of debates between President Trump and Democratic candidate Joe Biden. The the first debate was an absolute train wreck. I think both parties should be ashamed of how they presented themselves. And it certainly was not helpful to the American people to sort of display the the behaviors that they were displaying. So this whole this whole thing is to me, is playing out like this unbelievably absurd sitcom. Yeah, you're right that when if you go back far enough in our history as Americans, you can find comparable episodes. I mean, we all love the musical Hamilton. Well, one Mm -hmm. of the key moments in that is the election of 1800, which is hugely contentious and actually ended up with the uh, loser uh, shooting his political uh, rival, you know, the Burr and Hamilton that duel was all about the election as sort of the the straw that broke the camel's back in their relationship so obviously we have some rough and rowdy political moments in our history but you're right that in the last you know half century or so even longer things have been a little more genteel and so as we see all of this uh, contentiousness it's really hard because we thought we were above this yeah absolutely Now, what maybe doesn't help, kind of, is, you know, the LCMS in an American context, as as Lutherans, it's not always cut and dry, like who to vote for. I know that we have committees and, and such that will offer official stances of the church on certain things that are both sacred and a little bit secular, because we are a church functioning engaging in a secular society but it's not like the administration is going to go around contacting every lutheran being like this is who you need to vote for because that's not their place and they don't they know that that's not their place so we do we still have we still have that ability to exert the freedom to choose who we think is the best candidate to lead this country which i guess (laughs) 
it's kind of a blessing and a curse. Like if someone could just tell me, <laughs> tell me, like I don't have to think about it. Just tell me, and it's it's fine. It's yeah. That's where I'm at at this point. So because I'm sort of in this, you know, state of like malaise and sort of just hopelessness. It's not completely hopeless, as we will talk about later. What I did for us today is I wrote up a handful of tips and tricks for surviving the 2020 election. Number one, and honestly, I need to just come out and apologize to my friend Aaron Alter because... My first tip and trick for surviving the election is that some topics are best discussed in a face-to-face environment. Um, Aaron, who has been saying this for as long as I've known her um, and has told me this for as long as I've known her, I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, it's fine. I can argue on social media with people however I want to, and it's okay. But doesn't work what i have and i've referred to this in the past and i've hopped on facebook periodically but i have largely taken a break from social media and it it, i've probably been probably been away for maybe two months oh no maybe more like a month and a half and it has opened my eyes to sort of the the i'm just gonna say the evils of it and engaging with others on social media for certain things like I love social media to like post stupid memes and like do chicken soup karaoke but like when it comes to talking about the news or current events or sharing you know politically contentious opinions I think that social media is just a completely unhelpful format you gotta remember what social media is best for. And I think the magnificent Cheryl Magnus, managing editor of Reporter Newspaper and a friend of all of us, she put it best when she said, babies and puppies, people, babies and puppies. (laughs) This is what social media is for. Never forget that. (laughs) And I I think that's probably what you've missed the most, isn't it, Bree? (laughs) Uh, yes in fact i checked in the other day i'm like i miss you guys and your kids and your pets like (laughs) but i said if i see my shadow on election day you're gonna get six more weeks of this winter probably (laughs) (laughs) cannot but i mean yeah it's okay but i'm gonna just pause a moment here and salute you for for actually stepping away because i think a lot of people feel that and and yet have a really hard time actually doing it mm-hmm. and 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 you actually have and i do miss your your fun ridiculous memes <laughs> and you know smart aleck comments on things but i can you know i can interact with you in other places it's yeah. social media is not the only opportunity for that Absolutely. and better to actually step away and be healthier yeah. uh, <laughs> than to like speak it out the rest of it like there's so like the age of information is gone. It's like we're in this age of misinformation and like mm-hmm. bullying and trolling is at, like an all time high. Like it has done so much for me, like emotionally and spiritually, just to be away that 
it's I don't feel like it's the be all end all of like who I am, like what my identity is, who I'm and who I'm supposed to be. And even like engaging with family and friends on social media about politics has gotten me into trouble. And so when I feel when I feel no longer responsible for having to do that, as though it makes me a more constructive and helpful citizen, it's very liberating because you don't owe anybody anything politically when it comes to social media. I mean, we all sort of have these curated personas on social media. We all do. Everybody does. Yep. You're you're going to post certain pictures and not post others for whatever reason because it doesn't jive with how you want people to perceive you. And so you're automatically, I think, at at a loss because when you talk about these political issues that are so like deeply embedded in who we are, like you're basically arguing with a curated persona that doesn't fully encapsulate who that person is, which goes back to, okay, sitting with somebody across the table, having a cup of coffee, talking about it, you get that feeling that, okay, this is another human being. Like Mm -hmm. what I believe and what I feel, if I see the person across from me, you know, there, there's humanity there. It's not, Mm -hmm. it's not debating sort of this amorphous, like the other, which I will, which I'm doing air quotes. If you can't hear me doing the air quotes. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to bring up the other all the time, but, but part of it is yes. Like acknowledging that, the person across the table is a human and they have their own fears and concerns and like deeply rooted beliefs. And I think the first thing that we can do to have more constructive political conversations is to log off Facebook for a little bit. Don't look back and just have those conversations on a more personal, more intimate level. So unless you can guarantee that you're only going to see puppies and babies and funny memes, like, <laughs> feel free to, like, just let it go for a while. Like, you don't you don't have to, to be there. Yeah. But I never you, thought I would hear you say that, Brie. I know, right? You like, are, like, this is blowing me away. <laughs> no! <laughs> I read a book. What? I, <laughs> I started a new TV show. I... I did stay on Instagram, but I got obsessed with watching roller skating videos on Instagram. I feel like like Instagram is probably the safer of the three, though, because it's so... Pinterest is the safest. It's image-based. Only for right now. Let's acknowledge that is just for right now, and it's going to end up going down the tube well, just... It is. It's, it's just pictures. The I know. Of it. I know. <laughs> I well, started... if you if you talk with uh, Peter Slayton at all, or if you followed any of thing that his that he said, we've talked a lot about how on social media too, you get this what what he he calls context collapse. And if you talk about anything controversial ever, or, or even not controversial, you probably experience that because uh, when we're on social media, we're friends with all of quote unquote friends, whether or not you actually know them in real life. With all of these different peoples that span all of your different friend groups and friend circles. And so when you when you post something, you have all of these other people who probably don't know each other arguing about something and they have no idea where they're coming from because they don't know each other. And then it just explodes 
because you have people from different worldviews who don't actually know each other in person trying to argue about something that they're not even coming at from the same. And then you're caught in the middle as a referee because people got to act like children. Right. And then you're caught in the middle of it. And then it, it just it, it, it isn't productive. And that goes that goes to Aaron's wisdom of just mm-hmm. have these conversations in person if you can or just don't have them. Yep. Which kind of hurts me a little bit because it, I, it's helpful when we can have conversations and can talk to people about stuff. But social media is probably not the best place yeah. to do that. And I but- have a pretty strict no politics rule on my page, which I broke last week. And I will never do that again because I did have context collapse and it was horrible. And so even if you have to have a no politics rule on your own page and you only post pretty stuff and you only – function in groups on Facebook and then that's how you have to restrict yourself because you can't get off Facebook because you work on Facebook (laughs) you know maybe maybe you just have to set those boundaries for yourself and stick to them too Mm -hmm. I find that turning off alerts because I don't Mm. see the red bubble like Mm -hmm. I don't obsessively have to look at what people have posted yeah because I don't see the red bubble Mm -hmm. that is what helped that has helped me the most Mm mm-hmm it's worth remembering, too, as Christians, we are called upon to share the gospel yeah. and to uh, put forward our beliefs, you know, whenever appropriate, always be prepared, etc. Mm-hmm. That does not extend necessarily to our political convictions. Correct. Mm-hmm. There is no divine mandate to evangelize for your political party. Yep. You can choose to do that. That's fine. You have freedom of speech and of, of association and all the rest of it, you know, given to you in this wonderful country that we live in. Mm-hmm. But it's not a divine obligation to make everyone you come in contact with share your political convictions on every subject. Yep. 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 And also to keep in mind, if you can find a neutral news source, I know that's basically a joke. <laughs> do those even exist? Like, if, what? If, you're watching, if you're watching a news station that makes your heart race, turn it off because it's not worth your health. You don't need to give yourself a heart attack or an ulcer or a seizure because of flying graphics and colors and fighting and just adrenaline. Know that if you have to talk to somebody about your beliefs, if you feel so strongly about something... Have like a designated trusted person in your life, whether it's a family member, a spouse, a best friend, a therapist, even if you wrote down your feels in a journal, like that's, that is more helpful than like giving your hot take, like, and shooting it out (laughs) into the ether for people to ingest. Like, right. You owe it to yourself to like not have to deal with the nonsense that comes after um (laughs) you can can advocate for certain issues without talking about it on social media whether it's donating or getting involved with a certain cause you can be political but you don't have to be political on facebook like you don't you don't owe anybody that and it's i i would i would say it's probably better that you don't because then you don't have to deal with context collapse. I think that's a perfect way of of describing it. And again, don't feel like you have to engage everybody over it. Like, you don't owe anybody that. You don't. And so don't feel like you need to prove a point or double down. Because honestly, I think that's, that's where we are right now as a country is I say one thing and then Aaron comes in and says, well, what about this? And then I just double down not realizing that you know i'm not really being constructive in that moment and then you just have sort of this 
this back and forth of one-upmanship and it like this is where it's brought us Mm -hmm. and it's ridiculous and this isn't to say that political beliefs don't matter because so often i mean as as we talk about all the time faith and life they collide you know Mm -hmm. that our political views are shaped by our theological convictions and Mm -hmm. you know that's a that's for i mean most it's very common for um LCMS Lutherans to vote for pro-life, pro-marriage causes. And that's that's wonderful. And yet when we realize that we're crossing the line out of a theological realm into a strictly political realm, then then things get a little bit thornier. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm going to throw in, I wasn't going to do this right now, but Rachel, since you brought that up, I'm going to throw Hi. in a shout out. To the, <laughs> a shout out for the August edition of the Lutheran Witness. There are yep. some of the articles online. If you have an August edition of the Lutheran Witness and you haven't read it yet, you should definitely read it. Find a friend who has it. it your church probably still has it. Mm-hmm. It is all about the intersection of religion and politics. It is spectacular. And it will really make you think, no matter where you fall on the political spectrum, it's really, really good advice. I know Dr. Joel Bierman's article is online, and we'll share that with the show notes. And that one, that is one of the articles that really made a difference for me, because he puts out the points that it's important for you to vote, and we are called to love our neighbors. And we do that through voting, because that is how we decide the mm. cultural effects of our country, the societal things in our country. We're all going to fall somewhere differently on that political spectrum because we all come to different end goals of how we carry out how we love our neighbors. And that's okay. You can come down on different sides of issues because this is one of his points. We vote for our neighbors. We aren't voting for ourselves. We vote for our neighbors, what's best for our neighbors and what we think will be the best and the best situations for our neighbors. And that's going to be different for different people depending on how you how you interpret all of that and that's and that's okay. So like the best of our Lutheran resources, the articles in this issue, they don't tell you how to vote. They tell you right. how to think about how to vote. Exactly. You know, and how to form your theological convictions into an actionable set of ballot choices. Um, right. And yeah. I'm I'm glad that we've sort of broached this topic of the intersection of faith and politics. Like you have people that are like, Oh, separation of church and state. Well, yes, of course. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean that as a Christian, you're not supposed to engage with society at the same time. You have to strike this delicate balance because I think another issue that we see today in in today's political climate is people sort of of reducing who someone is by who they vote for mm-hmm. um, oh please don't do that right yeah. so i i think that there is this reductionist movement that oh you're voting for donald trump so you're a racist and a homophobe or oh you're voting for joe biden so you're a baby killer and a godless marxist and I'm here to tell you today that, A, you're right, Rachel, don't do that because it's not that simple. Who you vote for, yes, it needs to be informed by your by your faith and your beliefs. But those that faith and those beliefs come first. And so your identity is not whether you're a blue state or a red state. It's 
Your identity is in Christ 100%. And because of that, we need to treat each other accordingly. If you vote for Donald Trump, okay, you are saved by grace through faith. And you are my sister in Christ. And I love you as my sister in Christ. If you vote for Joe Biden, you are saved by grace through faith. And you are my sister in Christ. And I love you as my sister in Christ. Like, period, full stop. Our sisterhood in Christ comes first. That That is the prominent identity that I would encourage all of you to live your lives out. You know, if I am voting for the person that you hate, don't let that stop you from having like a, a rich, wholesome relationship with somebody. One of the things that I have learned in my adult life is if I shut people out who are different from me or who vote different from me or believe political things that are so like off base that I just, I think they are the stupidest thing for you to believe in. But if I don't, if I shut myself off from those people, I miss out on having the richest, most wholesome relationships that I've ever had. And I know this from experience. I could tell you stories if you're interested in learning about that. Like, I'm happy to talk to you about it. Face to face. Yeah, right. Face to face. Well, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you about my friends on Messenger. That's that's fine. Um, but <laughs> point being, like, don't live in a don't live in this dichotomous realm of like shutting people out embrace people when they are a part of the royal priesthood with you don't treat them like an outsider don't treat them like a pagan like that's not who they are and we're called to love people exactly and there's something going around on social media and i don't know the original author of it but uh, it says that this is not the most important election of your life the most important election is is the is your baptism into Jesus Christ. Absolutely. That's what matters. Period. <laughs> Bree, while you're while you're uh including people here, can we also give a shout out to um people who are voting for Joe Jorgensen or Howie Hawkins or Gloria Lariva or any of the other third party candidates out there? We sometimes forget that those exist, but so let's see. What what was it you said? If you vote for a third party candidate, you are saved by grace through faith and you are Absolutely. our sister in Christ. Thank there you. There you go. That's I know right. a lot of our sisters out there are looking at all their options. And so if that's an option you go down, we got your back too. And as much as it pains me to say this, if you're apathetic, you are still saved by grace through faith. <laughs> you're my sister in Christ and I love you as my sister in Christ. And that is that is no lie. I don't I don't joke there. Now, of course, your vote will have consequences. And there are things in sort of this bipartisan context that we live in. This is assuming that we're looking at Democrat and Republican. There are there are things that 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 are ascribed to by the Republican Party that don't jive with Christianity, just as there's things in that are espoused by the Democrats that don't jive with Christianity. And so I think that's part of where the challenge is of 
of navigating all of this. There's not a, there's not a consistent, there's not a consistent ethic. 12 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, not 12. Sorry. Eight, eight years ago. It was in 2012. Dr. Joel Leyenbauer gave a sermon in chapel. Yes. That I love so much. You talk about it to this day. I know. And I, I share it year after year. I've, I shared it at each of the previous presidential elections. I'm totally going to be sharing it again in the group during this week when this episode is out there. But it was just it was just a beautifully done sermon, still totally applicable. And it gets to what you were just talking about, Bree. And it was on the topic was or the text was Psalm 146. And he's like, here's what the psalmist says to you. Put not your trust in princes, in a Mm -hmm. son of man, in whom there is no salvation. Blessed is he whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever. And then he goes on and he says, Psalm 146 does not criticize or condemn political leaders or political leadership. It criticizes and condemns us for our twisted tendency to expect more from political leaders and institutions than they have been given by God to give. Some people these days seem to be feeling rather cynical about government, and that's not the government's fault, it's their fault. The Bible nowhere encourages or condones cynicism toward this gift of God called government. Instead, it encourages realism toward government. Even the very best political system or leader according to the Bible, can do just so much good and no more. By the same token, even the worst political system leader can only do so much damage and no more. God sets limits and he maintains them. And in his word, he explains them for those who have ears to hear. And I think we do sometimes start to, like, we despair. We're like, oh, our person did not get elected. And we despair that somehow... That means that, I mean, there, there, are, there are consequences, but there's only so much. Again, God does set limits. He is actually <laughs> ultimately in control of this life that we find ourselves in. Yes, we get the privilege of voting, but let's not take it too far and be like ascribed to someone that, oh, you didn't vote and on this way, and therefore it's your fault that this mm, is right. what we are seeing. That's right, that's not fair either. We get the privilege of voting, but let's not take on too much responsibility on ourselves either. Right. But I do think that it's important, kind of like what with what Dr. Bierman had said about voting with your neighbor in mind. Like, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people who are either like vocally anti-Trump or anti-Biden are doing so from a posture of fear. So when you're voting for a particular candidate, at least be mindful that, you know, people and this, as much as I speak out against reducing, like people who are voting for Trump have this fear for my observation that they are going to lose their they're going to lose the ability to practice their deeply rooted beliefs they're going to lose their traditions and by the same token i think the people who are voting for joe biden are 
are worried that we're going to return to this era where certain groups of people don't have rights. And so you're right. I, Aaron, I, I don't, I don't know the likelihood of either of those kind of catastrophes. I'm guessing not. God's going to do what God's going to do. But when you go to the polls and you, you have your convictions about who you're going to vote for, think about the other and and what that could mean for them keep your neighbor in mind when when you're voting i'm going to reference joel bierman's article one more time do it because he he specifically speaks to this and i'm just going to read this because i can't summarize it any better than he wrote it he says when you cast your ballot consider the following triage first your overriding responsibility is to your nearest neighbor who has the most acute need which is going to be different for everyone the defenseless neighbor faced with imminent death has a more pressing need for justice than the one who may lose access to a favorite meadow where he likes to stroll. Let that one sink in for a second. Yes. Mm. Second, the protection of human life outweighs the enhancement of human life. Third, people always rank ahead of animals. Sorry, Brie. That's and okay. fourth, <laughs> it's, 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 it's not a lie. It's not wrong. Uh, and fourth, the stuff we accumulate and want to keep always ranks last. People over stuff. Remember that one. Fifth and finally, respect for each human person or basic fairness ranks ahead of any alleged right to keep what is, quote unquote, rightfully yours. Christians know that what they have belongs to God and every one of their nearly 8 billion neighbors is someone for whom Christ died, Yep. someone to whom we owe justice in the temporal realm, and someone to whom we owe the proclamation of the gospel in the spiritual realm. Think about your neighbors before yourself. And and that is, I mean, that's something that is pretty consistent with how we're taught to live our lives in general anyway. Love your neighbors mm-hmm. first. Yep. And and that will look different depending on who your neighbors are. I mean, all of us, we live in different places, our situations are different, our states are different, our laws are different. So all of that is gonna look different depending on who our neighbors are and how we think that these laws and these things are going to be carried out to the best of of the government's ability. And it's hard for us maybe to to remember that government is is a god-given thing. Yep. We shouldn't despise the government because it's government. I mean it's it's there for a reason. It's instituted by God whether or not we agree with how things are going. True. I have some good news though. Yeah. yeah. Ready for this? Go for it. Okay. Neither candidate running for president is our personal Lord and Savior. Thank goodness. Oh. And thank God for that. You know, we we are encouraged to vote for better or more or bigger. Whatever or the, the lesser of two evils, which I'm so sick of being told to vote uh, for the lesser yes. of two evils, you guys. <laughs> I cannot so even say. The reality <sighs> is that America is never going to be the pinnacle of... It, it might be the pinnacle of earthly things, but it will never be the pinnacle of heavenly things. Mm-hmm. It will always be a sinful and broken nation. There's always going to be death, abuse, brutality, hate, divorce, and no president of the United States is going to redeem us from that. I told I told you I had good news here, guys. So stick with me. <laughs> Jesus will and has and does 
redeem us from all of the brokenness, all of the sinfulness, all of the ugliness, this this political wedge that is like being driven even far down into our nation's core. Jesus has already taken care of it. So not to minimize how bad everything seems right now, but I personally take comfort in the fact that this is not the end. You know, the guy that I'm that I refuse to vote for might win the election this year. But I cannot and do not lose hope because I know that my life is in Christ and because of that I get to live as a sanctified child of God in the ways that he wants me to live. Whoever is sitting in the Oval Office, like, writing laws and sign... They don't write laws. They sign laws and they veto <laughs> stuff. I've taken civics before. What? Free versus government, Brie. <laughs> well, and whoever wins and whatever happens in politics does not have any effect on the fact that you can still love your closest neighbors right. to the best of your ability. Right. So that yeah. doesn't change anything of how you live your daily life and how you love the people that are around you. We're still called to do that. And you can still do that whether or not your person wins. Right. This hot rolling dumpster fire of a society will be restored one day when <laughs> Jesus comes back. Amen. You, you guys know I'm a history nerd. And one yes. thing that I like to remember during election season is that our nation is a baby. Yeah. In the geopolitical yeah. scheme of things. It, it is. We have been around for 230-ish years. The Christian church is eternal. Right. My identity is in Christ and as a member of his church. And I think some Catholic moral theologians do an especially good job of emphasizing the fact that nation states rise and nation states fall. And not that I want ours to fall. I love our country so much <laughs> and I want I want it to go on and and be better but if it does that doesn't affect the church in right. any way yeah. that that these things are temporal and god's love for us is eternal and no matter what happens nothing will change that so the timing question you know if you look at well jesus died 2000 years ago and our country is 200 years old that's like a drop in the bucket of time absolutely so in closing, even though I say in closing and then we talk for 25 more minutes <laughs> as we, as we with these things. Um, in light of everything that we've talked about today, pray your heart out. If your candidate wins this election, remember that you have friends and family that are hurt now and they might be afraid. They might be unsure of the future and pray for them. You know, be modest. Continue to love them. Don't Rub it in their face. Like, if you're on social media being all braggadocious about your candidate winning, like, you, there's probably someone on your friends list now who's like, holy crap, what, what does that mean for me? What's next? So just remember that. Just remember that. If your candidate loses this election, like we've said, do not despair. Be gracious. Pray for patience. And even so, continue to love your friends and family. And regardless of your political leanings or vo voting record, find your people. Love the heck out of them. Celebrate the healthy, wholesome relationships you have with the other. 
walk those around like the Shroud of Turin, Pete's sake. <laughs> and pray for the strength and grace to love the heck out of them too, doing so because of what Jesus did for you and them. And that's all I got. Your remarks, Brie, remind me of something I used to tell my kids when they were playing middle school basketball. I don't know if you've ever been to a middle school basketball game, but they are about <laughs> the equivalent of, you know, a, an American political election <laughs> in terms of contentiousness. But I used True. to make them repeat this after me when they were either, well, no matter what happened, whether they won, won or lost, I would say. Okay, you guys. Repeat after me. Grace in victory. Dignity in defeat. Say it again. I can't hear you. Grace in victory. Dignity in defeat. That whether you win or lose, let grace and dignity clothe your interactions with other people. Amen. Even if it is like a middle school basketball game, which are awful. Don't go to those. Absolutely. (laughs) The kids are great. The kids are great. But... (laughs) <laughs> Lutheran school middle school basketball. Now that's the hey, I, I played on Lutheran I did school too. middle school basketball. <laughs> I was terrible. LSA sports, man. Love it. <laughs> oh man. Oh, in closing, again, sorry. You already said that. I just yes. in closing 2.0. <laughs> I just want to express to the three of you and Everybody out there who's listening, first of all, I want to take this time to repent if I've ever hurt you in a way that that messes with with who you are and who you vote for. And just to clear the air and say, I, even though I might not show it, I love each and every one of you because of what God has done for me. And and so I then feel compelled to give you that same love and grace doesn't I don't care who you vote for or if you don't vote i'm struggling with that one but it's true (laughs) it's true forever and ever forgiveness is a beautiful thing to practice in all facets of life including political conversations right so (laughs) because inevitably i mean we're sinful humans right so even if we try our hardest we're probably still gonna offend somebody in our conversations but let us not forget that repentance and forgiveness is a beautiful gift that we should all practice daily. (laughs) I think another beautiful gift for us this in this season, and various lines of it have been running through my head throughout this conversation, is the Lord's Prayer. Mm, That this is a prayer for every day, but especially for times like this, that we pray, our Father who art in heaven, God is in heaven. He's in control. Hallowed be thy name. You alone are holy. You're the righteous one. Thy kingdom come. Oh, dear Lord, let thy kingdom come among us too. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Everything we need that we're so worried about, we're voting our fear. We're fearful that we won't have what we need. Give us what we need. I lost my place. Give us us our trespasses. (laughs) There we go. There we go. And that's just what you're talking about, Brie, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation. Let us not be tempted to put anyone or anything in the place of God, but deliver us from evil. Social media. For For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Yeah. That's wise words. 
Speaking of prayers, get your hands on your nearest Lutheran book of prayer or Stark's prayer book probably has something or one of these great resources from CPH or from your church. There's a whole section of prayers for our civic realm and government. Now would be a great time to be praying those. Actually, all the time would be a great time to be praying those. Maybe we should close with this prayer for government. Yes, I was actually thinking like maybe let's pray for the first time on air. What? Okay, so I have have one in front of you. Go. I do. I have one in front of me. So this is from the Lutheran Book of Prayer, which is available from Concordia Publishing House. And it's uh, page 177, the prayer for government. Lord God, as I pray for all who are in authority, I thank you especially for the form of government given us in our beloved country. Give me the grace with my fellow citizens to value the officers and the magistrates of our government as those sent by you. Instill in me that respect and honor that is due them. Lord, endow them with wisdom for their several duties, with a spirit of sacrifice for the common welfare, with mercy and justice, with uprightness and kindliness. Correct the evils of selfishness, greed, a vain desire for honor, or abuse of power among us, as well as in the other governments of the world. Grant that the true purposes of government may prevail, safeguarding peace and prosperity, so that we may live soberly and uprightly in your sight and have opportunity to tell of you and your kingdom. These petitions I direct to you because in Jesus I know you as my Father and Lord. Amen. 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 Thank you. We have made it through our episode on politics. We are all still friends. And I didn't barf. And the Brie didn't barf. <laughs> we really would love to have these conversations in the ladies' lounge too. Hash out some stuff maybe. Maybe pray for each other. That would be a really good thing. And to come together as a community of sisters in Christ as we as we love to do in our Facebook group. If you are not in that group yet, you can find us, the Lutheran Ladies' Lounge, on Facebook. You can find all of our podcasts at kfuo.org slash Lutheran Ladies Lounge or on your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I am not running in 2024, so don't make me change my mind. (laughs) And I wouldn't vote for you if you were. Wow. Wow. I don't know what just came over me. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I'm glad you don't want that for me though. (laughs) You you deserve so much better in your life than that. Oh wow. Save you from a fate worse than just about anything else. Views and opinions expressed on the Lutheran Ladies' Lounge podcast may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO Radio, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The Lutheran Ladies' Lounge is produced by KFUO Radio and available at kfuo.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Join our community on Facebook in the Lutheran Ladies' Lounge.